Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I am Justin Michael, your intrepid host. You know what intrepid means, doing my best. William Shatner here. I am joined by none other than Ryan Staley, founder and CEO of Whale Boss. Ryan, thanks for being on the show. What's happening? Intrepid. I've never heard that as an intro before. <laughs> where, where the hell did you get that, man? I, it's not an old world term for fearlessness, something that seems like a science fiction movie. So a lot of times I have a guest on here talking about the future. So Tell our listeners about, you know, how you're involved in sales and enterprise sales, and you just put together this really cool virtual event. We'd just love to hear more about your background. Yeah, man. So just a, a little bit about me. I've been in the world of sales for 20 plus years. I started all the way back. I'm not going to go back when I was a kid. I did this, but, but essentially I got drawn and kind of like stuck in the sales world because I saw my parents who my mom was a teacher, my dad was a, a cop, just would absolutely crush themselves and work so hard and only make minor gains financially, right? They would do whatever they could to support us. So we're lower middle income family, grew up in the Midwest, outside of Chicago. And so anyways, that's what kind of sucked me in. And so throughout my career, just kind of progressed. I started off selling advertising when I was in college, evolved into complex sales. I worked in a job that was kind of like what SDRs are doing today, a boiler room type environment where you're slamming $250 a day um, without without a, uh, a sequencer email or a dial, uh, what do you call it? Parallel assisted dialing that you're talking about? This yeah. was old school. Anyways, went there. And then like the last 10 years until about six months ago, I was in a leadership position and basically grew an enterprise sales team from scratch from, with only like three people from zero to 30 million AR. ARR without marketing, lead gen, or really any solid tech. So that's kind of like my claim to fame. So that's that's where I was at, man. And, and then um, we could talk about moving forward as things progress. But does that give you a good backdrop? Um, on yeah. The- have you been more interested in sort of the enterprise sales or startups or like what kind of sales have you specialized in within the realms of B2B? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I always worked for companies that were smaller and didn't have a lot of infrastructure. So I never worked for like an Oracle or an SAP. <clears throat> However, like I always worked in a, an environment where there wasn't a lot of processes, wasn't a lot of tech or even training and development. So I, I, I kind of learned a lot on my own and leveraged different people. So essentially the last seven years, was pretty much exclusively focused on the enterprise. Prior to that, though, it was combination of mid-market and enterprise. And I see, I love working the big deals just because of the complexity involved with it. And 
looking at the strategy behind it. And so right now what I'm doing is I'm helping either entrepreneurs, founders, or revenue leaders in particular, really look at their business and how they can scale up revenue fast without adding a lot of headcount, adding any risk or massive technology investments. So that's really what I'm focused on now. And then the summit was really to serve the market and understand what was going on in the market at its greatest level. And so there's some work that I've done helping and supporting sales execs as well. That's so great. My question would be, what have you learned from that experience? Just getting to interview and talk to so many different revenue leaders recently, because I feel like we're in this inflection point now going into the 2020s where we're seeing an explosion of sales tech and new approaches, which is really exciting. And maybe we felt that way in the 2010 as well, but you had an incredible roster there. Any, any highlights or insights that stick out? Because you know, a lot of the reps on this show, they're sales development folks. They're setting meetings every day. They're looking for tactical tips and ideas and techniques. So it could be strategic mm-hmm. or tactical, but what jumps out? Yeah. So, well, you know, obviously one of the cool things was like, that's, that's how I met you. Like we never really talked before then. And, you know, it's, it's been amazing. We've got to know each other over the last, I don't know, what, three months. Just through that, I had you on my show, which was awesome. And so one of the key takeaways, I, I guess, for your audience that I would say is don't be too busy. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of my career, I always focused on networking with my customers or networking internally at my company, but I did not focus on doing that externally to, to peers. And I was always saying, I'm too busy to do that now. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And then I never really focused on it. And so the beautiful thing about doing that summit was I got, and I'm talking in like laser speed time, massive exposure to what the top thought leaders are doing in the market with their own special niche areas and how they're evolving and what they're seeing. So the thing was like, I mean, Justin, this is what we're, this is being recorded Friday to Friday after it ended, not the day after it ended. But like on Monday and Tuesday this week, I literally felt like a college student that was like partying on spring break and then just got home. Like I was absolutely wiped out and destroyed just because of the amount of effort, time and things that were involved with that that I didn't really anticipate. Yeah, that's fantastic. So this show is about the future of sales development. And I also love to just make it about anything. What are you perceiving about sales development, technology themes? advice to SDRs, because you know, you're soaking a, a lot of that in as you're consulting companies on, I, I love having conversation with you because you'll, you'll say something like, oh, I, I've uncovered a gap there. They could be making millions doing this. Like you have this insightful way of looking at companies. How do you analyze that? And where does the sales development function fit in? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting. So like, obviously I don't have as big of a macro view with the SDR world as you do. I think it's, it's a critical function. However, I have been on the customer side of it, and I'll tell you what not to do, because um, it's funny now that I'm 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 uh, no Justin Michael, but I, I'm getting deeper into the tech world and with the tech stacks, and so I'm checking these different solutions out, you know, to either help myself or augment what my customers are doing. And what I find is like I'll drop nuggets left and right for for the SDR who's trying to sell to me to do things. And he's not taking them or she's not taking them. They're just going through like a script. So that's something that I think is a big opportunity to separate yourself 
And the beautiful thing is like, you could compound knowledge exponentially over time. If you just really get focused when you're talking to people on understanding them and their business, and you'll level up so much faster because most people are literally just going through a script, trying to hammer it out and then move on. You know, BDR reps too, same thing. It's crazy. How do you research business and understand it? I think a lot of us are on the phone and that's the big complaint. It's the refrain is like, the seller doesn't understand my business. Mm-hmm. And I think a great seller is able to bridge that gap. And it's something you're able to do as a consultant. But some of these folks are brand new to these roles and they're looking like, what should I personalize? What's that key research? How do I do that? I think we want to be able to do that. What are some of your tips for effective research of companies or prospects? So I think this is a great question. And I'm looking up something right now as we talk. Literally, I was talking to one of my customers about this today. So let's talk about acumen because from a leader's perspective, that's one of the areas where they're saying like, hey, you got to get better acumen. But it's kind of getting thrown into like Ackerman's looked at as it's kind of like, do you like turkey and stuff on Thanksgiving? You have turkey, the mashed potatoes, the gravy, the sweet potatoes, the stuffing, the turkey, right? You got all that. And what does your mom do? The day after you have that, maybe it's the third day after it, she's tired of seeing that crap in the fridge, right? She doesn't want that shit anywhere near that anymore. So she takes all that, puts that in a pot, puts it on the stove and mixes it all together just to like be done with it. I think that's the way a lot of people kind of look at acumen. Whereas like, if you want to truly get to the point where you understand a customer's business, there's really four key areas in acumen that you look at. I was talking to a customer about this today. So there's functional, which is the role that you're selling to, right? What does a CFO have to do? Like what are the core three things that all CFOs have to do? Or a CIO, or a VP of IT, whatever. That's step one. Step two is product acumen. Whatever you are trying to sell or get people get meetings before, you have to understand that. What's the market, right? Like who are the competitors that you're competing against and who are their competitors, right? And then vertical, that's more like healthcare, financial services, logistics, you name it, is truly understanding that. So if you were to research in five minutes, I think like you could do the functional aspect by just literally Googling what are the top you know, three functions of a CIO? What are the top three responsibilities of a CFO? You can learn that really quick, okay? That's gonna put you ahead of 95% of people because they won't take the time to do it. So that's like horizontal looking. Product, you obviously know your product in a lot of situations from market. A lot of people are clueless about how else these other people are getting pitched, like truly understand that. And then vertical, if you're calling in specific verticals, you can do the same thing as the function. So I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, man. Oh, you were asking about research in terms of of getting two people. And it's funny, I worked with someone the other day who you introduced me to, and she helped me out quite a bit with this. And I actually help companies with this. It's easier to do this when you're not looking at yourself, when you're looking at internally. But essentially, the, the key thing you want to be able to do for research is understand one or two things about that person. Like as a person, has nothing to do with business about what lights them up, what they're interested in, know their key roles and functions. Once again, two minutes, look on LinkedIn. Most IT professionals or VCPs of sales use this as a resume. So they'll they'll specifically state what they're good at, what they like, what they don't. And then the other is just like, what's going on with their company? You know, did they just get acquired? Did they just merge and have a $500 million bogey out there that they have to hit? 
Um, and so those are like kind of like three really quick snapshots just as a gut reaction. That's a great explanation. Research is a big deal. And then it's always like, should I personalize a lot, a little, how much, what should the emails look like? There's a lot of theories out there on how to do this. Here's a great question. What type of emails and phone calls would you actually respond to? Like for real, if you think back to the last 200 messages or something you actually signed up for, you took the meeting or you answered the phone and you, it's so rare for me. I do every once in a while jump on with a vendor. Like I always think of Gong and Chorus. They have really good SDR teams. They call me. When they do a good job calling me, I like, I'll go see the demo again because I just like so encouraging. Like, you crushed your call. You did so great. You know, do you ever get stuff that stands out or like, what's your advice to folks writing or calling? What to, what to say? Yeah. Well, here's the thing there's a pro proliferation of spam right now. And this is so basic, but like, I, you know, I talked to, to Lindsay Boggs, who, do you know Lindsay at all, Justin? Yeah, she was real popular when I was at LinkedIn because she had this thing, I think, where she got on stage with Shaquille O'Neal or something. It was like awesome. <laughs> she was yeah, awesome she's awesome social selling me. Yeah, so she's an awesome lady. So she was at the summit and she basically runs or is, is responsible for the modern social selling for Citrix and advising over 2,000 sales reps on what to execute on. And so like, she's got a unique insight because she's doing this across 2000 people. So I'm like, this is pretty cool. So I was talking to her and, and interviewing her. And one of the things that I'm going to tell you that she told, she basically told me is the same thing that I see that if she's seen it and I've seen it, you'll probably agree with me. Then it's happening to everybody else. But like, like, like you mentioned, gone, like literally, and I can't say my G's good. I got the CMO of gone interacting with me instantly after like one touch on LinkedIn. And so this is what it's going back to. So it, de it depends on the priority of the target. If you are going for just like quantity over quality, there's a certain level of customization, customization you want. But one of the things that, that Lindsay was talking about and I'm seeing as well is basically she's like, I get probably 25 DMs a day of people trying to sell me stuff. And I get zero voicemails and I get zero videos. And so basically like everybody's pitching, but nobody's taking the time to do that. So in order to scale, sometimes you need to do things that don't scale. That makes sense. Same thing with me. So I'll, I'll give you an example, like CMO Kong, UD, right? Basically to talk to him, I was, I was talking about sponsors for my event and he was somebody that I reached out to, never had any interaction. Literally, I saw him post about his setup, his visual setup for filming in, in his house. And so like, I'm like, hey, that looks pretty sweet. Like, I like how you have that set up. However, this is my piece of crap set up that looks like garbage. Like, what do you think? And then he instantly responded. And then that started the dialogue. That's all I did is I responded. I sent him a DM, took a picture of like my setup because that's what he posted about. And he responded like instantly. So that's just a quick example of like doing that. And then voicemails, same thing too, man. Everybody knows it's personalized because there's not like generic voicemailing at scale on LinkedIn DMs. And maybe there is, but nobody's, nobody that I've seen is using it. So that's another example is just drop in a quick voicemail because it, it humanizes you in the world of like spammy emails and spammy DMs. So even just using some basic channels becomes special because people are relying on the emails. They basically are just going into these awesome automated systems that everyone now has, or at least in tech, like tech to tech. If you're heavy on LinkedIn, probably you have, maybe you have outreach or sales loft or something 
you know, I know it's like Zant and Groove, some new ones, but you're probably automating. And so it's kind of like, it's a little bit like a mirage, you know, it sucks you in. It's like, I can just send thousands of emails. Look at this, you know, I'm going to automate my job type of thing. But I loved what you said. You said, what was it? It was like, it's like slow down to speed up. It's like, do oh, you don't scale in order to scale. Do things that don't scale in order to scale. I love that comment. I think writing a handwritten note, leaving a voicemail that's not personalization like a needy, creepy way, but it's very relevant. You've really, you've researched the business, researched who they are, and you've left a, a relevant email that solves like a pain that could be relevant. Where do you see technology going? Do you think we're going to get to a point where sales is like marketing, where it's like very automatable? Even the whole SDR function could go away because it's all automated. Where do the humans fit in across sales and marketing in the next two to five years, even 10 years, when you think about it? Yeah. And I, so well, let me ask you this, Justin. What, what do you see? Because like you have a macro view and I'll, I'll chime in afterwards. But like one of the things that I'd be curious on is I love tech and I think there's a lot of great ways to leverage tech to scale yourself. However, like, just like we talk about Zoom fatigue, do you think people are getting crushed with some automators and uh, automated activities and stuff like that, that it makes it more difficult for those to be as successful right now because people are just in front of their computers so much? Do you agree or disagree? Or what, what do you think on that? Matt? Well, no, Jeremy Donovan at SalesLoft studied 6 million emails, I think, and it, I think it went down like 35% on the reply rates in, in the pandemic. But I feel like that's come up a little bit. LinkedIn went from site number 36 to site 16, which makes LinkedIn really an awesome channel. But everyone has, you know, hey, Ryan, in these uncertain times. And then you, if, you, if you dare answer it, you just get like the, this crazy avalanche of automator bullet emails that are super long. So I'm always encouraging people to think, you know, LinkedIn is just like email. They're sitting mm-hmm. on there and you can't connect. Just pitch them. You're dead if you do that. Because you wouldn't like go up to someone at a networking dinner and you'd be like, oh, hi, I'm Justin Michael. Do you want consulting services? You'd never say that in real life. You just say, oh, what do you do? Like you'd make conversation, you'd attempt to build rapport. But on LinkedIn, for some freakish reason, people are like, hey, nice to meet you. You want to sign a contract? Like, <laughs> it's so weird. How do you see that? Like, how, what are some effective ways you're using LinkedIn and you feel it's it's unusual? You've done a great job creating a podcast, a brand around yourself and using the new social media really well. What about for folks that, you know, they want to host an event or they want to do a Ryan Staley Enterprise Summit? Like, how did you get savvy about that stuff? Yeah, so, I mean, here's, here's a beautiful thing. So, like, I am part of, like, a private mastermind coaching group. And that's one of the things that they gave me the playbook on. It. Just like you have your playbook for SDR, same thing. Like, here's the exact playbook. This is what works. This is how you do it. And like, here's what I would tell you is financially, yes, there were some definite benefits to it. However, the benefits of the brand and the people I met and the connections and the results and outcomes that are starting to happen as a result of that are, are exponentially greater than the short-term financial benefits. I got teary-eyed this week because I was like writing a recap and literally it reminded me of, you know how when you're younger in your career and you get a deal that's a big deal at that time? And it's not like life-changing, but from a, a financial perspective, however, what it does for your confidence and connections ends up creating life-changing events. 
Have you ever, do you remember like any deals that were like that where they just like changed just, perspective? I remember just like job opportunities where I got to go work for a company that was super famous. I didn't think I was going to get you kind of always have imposter syndrome. You know, you're hoping, I, I remember hoping that I would get into Salesforce or hoping that I get into LinkedIn, even getting rejected from these companies and getting those. And certainly there's some huge deals where you have a seven figure deal and you're just, you're kind of wishing, hoping and praying and doing all the right things. Cause at that level, there's a lot of uncertainty and risk. And then when those come home, it's like, you're jumping up and down. Like it's one of the best feelings. I mean, I, was, I remember getting, uh, someone called me and said, oh, was this one little feature with this little technical thing that only your product had and we won. It's pretty awesome. You know, it's like that a documentary where they all go and pitch Subway. It's like all these ad agencies and they get up early in the morning, they build all these decks and like anyone could win, you know? So I, I definitely relate. Yeah, so it's the same concept as that. And so to follow up is like, what I would tell you is that for anybody listening who wants to do something like that, is there's so many vehicles to do that with like low barriers of entry. You just kind of have to pick one that you know that you'll do consistently and there's not a lot of friction for you doing it. For example, I'll tell you how to do with me. I'm really comfortable and easy talking on a podcast or I'm getting more comfortable with video. That wasn't something, I mean, I should show like a blooper reel. The first videos I did so ridiculous. I'm not at like peak performance by any means. I'm no like Shea Robottom or, or someone at that level, you know? However, it was an abomination. I was like, ah, it sucked. So what I'm telling you, what I'm saying is like, if I tried to blog every day and do like a long form article every day, I would want to jump out the window, right? So there's podcasting, there's even just interviews, doing a video interview over Zoom of like your customers. Like you could do that as an SDR and you could basically showcase them and their expertise. And people love to talk about what they think they're amazing at, you know? So you could do that. You could write articles if you're good. You could write posts. There's so many ways you just need to like basically persevere and publish long enough to get noticed. And what I mean by that is a lot of people didn't realize that Game of Thrones was good until like the second or third season. And if they would have stopped in the middle of the first season, so many people wouldn't have seen that and it would have, wouldn't have taken off. So I, that's kind of what I equivocate doing like branding exercises and things like that. It's going to suck at first, not going to get any traction. Probably it's a long game and you just got to, you got to keep working and eventually you'll find your voice. And you'll find the people that, that want to hear you. On that note, what motivates you to do the most, to do these conferences, to apply these, the learnings from the mastermind group? Like what's driving you? Because people I think who are successful are driven for different reasons, quality of life, family, a work ethics that's instilled at a young age. Uh, you come from the hardworking people, but just curious, like when you get up and you're excited about your job. Uh, and a lot of people just really don't like their job, but they fall into sales. Like motivation is a big problem in our industry and mental health, these type of things. But I'm always curious, like your tips for how you kind of get psyched. Sometimes like, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm exhausted, like just doing, I'm so many Zooms and podcasts. I just actually want to fall asleep after all of it, I'll be honest. But there, there is a drive underneath all of it, I feel. Yeah, it, I was the same way. Like I get that way sometimes. Like literally, I, when's the last time you took a nap? I'm not a big napper, but I've had some good like eight to 10 hour sleeps lately, which has been good for me. So literally. I took a nap yesterday for the first time in probably like a year, it seems like. And it wasn't on a purpose. I was just, my body was just, dude, stop. You need to stop. So, but to get back to your, to your motivation is, is what I would say is, I think there's some, some really important practices. 
So to answer your question, and I'll get into some practices like tactical application or tactical things that, that your listeners can implement is my big why is I went through my entire career and I always worked my butt off for someone else. And what I found is that eventually I would outlive my shelf life there. And it would either be based on what they thought I was worth, or I would just outgrow the place. And I didn't have any control of that in a lot of situations. And what I saw is my quota kept going up as a rep, but then my comp would start going down and it sucked. Happened the same thing as a leader. Like, hey, congratulations, Ryan. You did awesome. You had another record year with your team. Way to go. Congratulations. Here's your new comp plan. Oh, by the way, it sucks. And here's like five other things you got to jump over to make the same amount of money as last year. You know, so I saw that happen. And as a byproduct of that environment, and right now, sales leaders on average only last 16 months. Sales reps, like 90% of them don't even hit their quota. And so those didn't disturb me because I was in that environment and I literally almost lost everything with my family um, in terms of my, my relationship with my kids my wife, because I was so trying to keep up on the hamster wheel that I focused all my effort on work and I abandoned everything else. And I started to become a jerk and nobody wanted to be around me. <laughs> so, so crabby. So basically I want to share what I had to like learn the hard way of doing with people. So they don't have to go through the same pain of, of potentially getting divorced or having a terrible relationship where their dad's not at their t-ball games, their dad's not at school plays or, you know, or their mother isn't. And I want to share that with them. So that's the big thing that gets, gets me out of bed because if I could do that and I could help a child have their parents be around more because they, they know the, the, the smarter way, the better way, the easier way to do things than just hard work, then, you know, that's, that's a life on my deathbed I'd be happy about. I love that. Well, we're almost at the tail end of this uh, 30 minute episode of beyond sales development. And it's always cool. I, every guest brings their own flavor. I keep it a casual conversation. Yeah, maybe close with a quote. One of your favorite quotes is one thing I like to do. I collect a lot of these. <laughs> What's a saying or a quote or a principle? You almost, you hit it good. You said, I just want to say it again, like do unscalable things to scale, but I don't know if you have other things that kind of oh, guide you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of things. And I don't know if like, like I love quotes, but I'm not like, you know, Brian Fontana on, uh, on Anchorman, where he's like 70% of the time, it works all the time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but what I would say is like a big principle or question to ask yourself that helps me when I'm going through a tough time and you were talking about motivation and people getting burnt out is asking yourself, what else could this mean? You know, because most of the time you assign a meaning to something and it's not always positive when you're struggling. So to ask yourself, like, what else could this mean? What else could this be like getting me ready for that I'm not thinking about right now? What's the positive thing about this? And ask yourself it and it totally reframes like the negative perception that you have about an event or a situation and can totally change your perspective, your view, what you're capable of and who you serve. I love it. Thanks for being on the show. Find Ryan Staley and any other sites. It's a whale boss. Where can they go to see all that great footage of the Enterprise Sales Summit and to find more about you? Yeah, well, the Enterprise Sales Summit's closed, man. We're uh, shut down. It's it's done. Done so. So what I would say is check me out on LinkedIn. I'm getting my website up and running. 
That's nice. like a priority right now, but hit me up on LinkedIn if you have any questions. I'm also in multiple communities. I'm in Revenue Collective and Rev Genius. Like I'm accessible there. Not as much. However, I would say LinkedIn is something that, that I'm, I'm pretty involved in. And, you know, so every, every now and then I'll, I'll check out the sales board. <laughs> well, Thanks. And, and hop in there. I think I put my name as Whaleborg. Which, oh, nice. Uh, which doesn't have my name. So I probably should change that. People are like, what the hell is this Whaleborg, dude? I was just like slappy when uh, I yeah. jumped on. So, but yeah, let me know anything I can do to help you out. I, I have a real soft spot for helping people that want to like advance their careers and just want more. So yeah, if you have any questions, then if I can help you, I'll be more than happy. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you sh- soon on the show and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. It was great Thank being you. on.